0: I think I said the same thing at least half a dozen times last night. The Celtics, no way they're making this shot, followed by the shot being made. Whether it was Jalen Brown, whether it was Williams, whether it was Marcus Smart, it was a game where it seemed like for long, long stretches, the Celtics just wouldn't miss. And the Knicks, even... After a miraculous comeback and taking the lead and having momentum, it seemed like there was no ground underneath them because the Celtics would just steal it right back. But you know what? Who cares? The Knicks, when it counted, double overtime, Evan Fournier, Derek Rose, and the cast of characters that we've come to love and adore somehow pulled it out a double overtime thriller against the hated Boston Celtics. Just, you know, you can't get a better game. We can have a better experience and not lose our minds, but the Knicks played a very different type of game than we're used to, especially with last year's Tom Thibodeau team. And we'll talk all about the changes that were made the type of play that we may be seeing throughout this season, and just enjoying game one out of a long season. Welcome to 1973, a New York Knicks podcast. My name is Alan Feller. One thing is for sure. When I turned the game on last night, and I was really excited to see how the Knicks would play in the garden, full crowd, opening night and for a little while there was definitely a sense of oh boy, we're we're not quite there yet. And the reason being, uh, Jalen Brown was just not missing. And that happens, you know, it's you know, the, the Celtics have two tremendously talented players in Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Brown obviously making the biggest strides, just total confidence with a shot Making it look easy, really. Tatum, not so much. Tatum missed a ton of shots. Part of that was, you know, a really good defensive scheme on Tatum. And mostly supplied by R.J. Barrett. R.J. Barrett really um, developing into a true defensive gem. And his offense, unfortunately, is gonna, always going to suffer from that because he puts so much effort into that side of the ball. But it didn't matter. In the beginning, the Celtics were hitting everything in sight. And the Knicks got down. And it felt like they were clawing their way back, but just got stomped every time we, we got close. And that first quarter was terrible. And you're just watching and you're saying, wow, we're, we're really not there yet. We're out of sync. We're just not hitting our shots. Um, and there's a real sense of, you know, Tom Thibodeau has a lot of weapons to choose from, but what combination is going to succeed or what combinations in general are going to gel, this is something that we're going to be working on probably throughout the season because the Knicks have a lot of depth. And on paper, all those names and all that potential scoring is, you know, enticing. But how do you match it up together? And what sacrifice are you making on the defensive end? And I think we're seeing pretty plainly and pretty clearly, you know, Kemba Walker, is a dynamic player offensively he has good bounce, good jumps I mean, he, he got a bunch of rebounds too. This is not a guy who's afraid to get down by the basket and risk his knees and risk his body. He certainly puts himself into harm's way, but defensively to make those switches to make the moves to get around you know a pick or a, it's it it's hard for him you could see that he's he's having some. You know, defensive issues which we, we we knew about, but you know the the problem with the Knicks last night really was not just Jalen Brown destroying us for, you know, <laughs> at this. I mean, at this point, <laughs> I mean, I mean, he was outrageous—forty-six points. I mean, it's just crazy. But that's not where we had our problems. We had players hitting open threes, where not only were they open, they were so open. They I mean you could have driven a Mac truck between the space from whatever the clearest note the closest defender and whatever Williams or or Tatum was, you know, nearby. It was it was it was bad. And that's something that, you know, even with a great win and unbelievably exciting finish, you know, we're you have to look at this game and say, Wow, we, we gave up a ton of open looks. And that's not a Tom Thibodeau team. And, you know, part of the Thibodeau strategy was even if you're going to have players on the perimeter with good spacing and you have to get to them, just get to them. Just put a hand in their face. Just go towards them so that you potentially, you know, alter a trajectory or change, you know, the the comfort zone of the shooter. But the Knicks didn't really do that last night. And it it killed them because the big comeback toward the end of regulation— and the continuation even into the uh, overtime is we let players get their shots without much of a resistance. And I think that was something that we have to work on. Part of it is just we have new people. You know, it's a new scheme. It's a new set of rotations. So we're going to see some problems. There's no question. But you know what? That's you know, that's what happens when you're a Knicks fan. You always start with the negatives. You start with the the things that bug you. So, you know what? Let's get off of that a little bit. And let's go to things that were Friggin' awesome. And we have to start with our friend, our French savior, Evan Fournier, who it seemed like every time a big shot had to be made for the Knicks to push them back in, he made it. I mean, thirty two points. First game, you know, I think I think that's the record. I mean, basically the you know, the most a Knicks first game player, first night you know, number for points, and that's, that's pretty impressive considering the long history of the Knicks. And, the fact, I think that matches his career high also. Pretty funny. His first game was a Nick. But what Fournier showed you, it, it wasn't just his shooting touch from three and his, you know, his confidence and his patience, letting a defender blow by him and take a quick two-step, hit a three. I mean, tremendous. Great coordination. I mean, that's something that we did not have last year at that position. I mean, Alec Burks does a version of that, and he's very, very good, too. But Fournier is tremendous, and that was a great pickup by the Knicks, as we've already seen. We'll see what happens the rest of the way, and I'm sure we'll have our opinions about that. But for one night at least, Fournier was unbelievable. But it wasn't just that. Fournier also got in the passing lanes, was active on defense when there were turnovers and where there was a ball – You know, that was in play and things were being chased around the court. Fournier was there. He was part of all of that. And if you watch him enough times, he was an active defender. And is he noted for being a great defender or someone you can rely on as a lockdown defender in the same way that Reggie Bullock had that reputation? Probably not. But I was really impressed with his effort on both ends of the floor. He was really good. And he could really, you know, disrupt an offense with some of his energy and sometimes that's all you need. So what he gave you was you know was great because you need another score besides Randall to rely on especially in these moments toward the end of a game because Randall as he still you know he can't get rid of this or can't shake his uh his tendency to just try to take over a game, be the man, hit the big shots, take control and that's you know, he had to do that when he first came to the Knicks. There was no other option, and that really didn't serve him well. and put him in a very bad light. Last year, he had a magnificent renaissance season. Just totally changed the direction of his game and became a really great player. And part of that was shedding some of that hero ball mentality. This year... You know, it reverted back a little bit in this game and he and he did deliver. He was he was really good for a good long stretch of the first half when nobody in the Knicks was doing much. So you give Julius Randall a lot of credit. Um yeah, you know, and you still you know you love his passing too, because even when he's completely into his offensive zone game and he's moving, he's ready for his shot, you know, he'll spot R.J. Barrett on the on the side of the floor. And hit him for a jumper, you know. And, it's, and his passing does have that Christmas too. He can get the ball pretty well. His pass to Mitchell Robinson, you know, in the paint. Pinpoint accuracy, tremendous pass, which not just allowed Mitch to extend and get a great slam out of it, but also, you know, that's a crowd pleaser. That's something that Knicks fans really love is that, you know, that pass. So it was, you know, he played a great game, too. And by the end, of course, you know, you're, you're toast. And the Knicks were putting all their heart and soul into this game to beat the Celtics. Because it's not just opening night at the Garden. It's the Boston Celtics coming to the Garden. You want to beat them. You want to show Boston who's boss. And the Knicks, you know, they didn't give up. They didn't surrender that, you know. They really fought for that. And Randall was a, you know, he's a warrior. And I think that's you know the type of things we used to talk about Patrick Ewing we used to put that label he's a warrior you know he the sweat the fight there's so much of that in Randall and you could pick apart Ewing's game too and there were flaws in Ewing's game and his he wanted to get the ball all the time and it was you know a constant struggle as Nick Finn said so, well you know we're playing this two man game with Ewing all the time he's taking every shot and but you had faith that in the end he would really you know prevail and and carry the Knicks to a victory And Randall has that same mentality. He's gonna keep fighting and try to get that victory, whatever he can do. Great game by Randall. And you know, it's it's that part, you know, you're seeing the continuity from last year and it's and that's hardening. We don't want a regression. We don't want a reversion to, you know, the previous years, Randall, where it was you know, it was a struggle. The other tremendous effort has to go R.J. Barrett. I mean, R.J. Barrett, in the first half, just, nope, basically just not scoring. Didn't score points. He was trying to get his footing. He wasn't comfortable. He wasn't out there a tremendous amount. Part of that, yeah, he wasn't in the flow. I mean, his defensive presence certainly, you know, had an impact on Tatum, eventually Brown as well. But what R.J. Barrett is becoming is is a player who's focused on a two-way effort. He's a player who's looking at the whole game, not just where do I get my points, how do I extend my shooting, how do I get to the basket and finish better. I think for him, it's also how do I put the clamps on my opposition. And he is a tremendous defender. And when he is all locked in, he is disrupting the opponent's offense. And that showed him in the second half, really, especially, and the rest, you know, the remainder of the game after that. He was. He was all over the place. He was great defending a, a very, you know, tough you know, Celtics, you know, wings, that combination that are just, you know, brutal to follow and brutal to, to stop. So you give R.J. Barrett a lot of credit. He was, he was playing within himself, but he was also, you know, he was a key figure for them to maintain you know, their composure. I mean, having that defensive presence that you can rely on to say he's going to be there, and listen, Tatum put that move on him, you know, and he got to the basket, and and RJ couldn't you know, necessarily keep up him and couldn't stay in front to the point of blocking or stopping a shot, but by contesting, by being there, by being in Tatum's face, you know, Tatum couldn't get comfortable. He missed so many shots, and a big reason was RJ Barrett's commitment to defense, and you and that's. Right now, that's what we need because we've lost some defending. You know, with Bullock gone, um, with some of the offensive changes that we're making, yeah, there's a little bit of a a lapse in defense. So having RJ pick up his defensive game is a necessity. And he still had 19 points after all is said and done. And he was hitting his shots, and he was basically, you know, a key part of that, you know, second-half run. And now... It's time to talk about two of my favorites. First, Mitchell Robinson, you know, who has always been a favorite of mine from the second I saw him play. And the thing about Mitchell Robinson, he's completely out of shape. He's completely out of sync. He is not his usual self. He doesn't have his same hops. He doesn't have his movement yet. He's, maybe he's learning how to work within himself with his with his new body type, with his muscles and everything else. But Mitchell Robinson versus every other Nick center is, it's night and day. I mean, Mitchell Robinson is disrupting shots. He's a guy who's going to block shots. He's a guy who who can get that crazy hard rebound. And you put the ball to him around the basket, he's going to score. I mean, he was... Outstanding, and he's not even close to being Mitchell Robinson that we're used to. I mean, he's still operating about five or six degrees slower, you know, than we're accustomed to. And as far as durability, you know, it's if you asked me a week ago, two weeks ago, would we be seeing Mitch anytime soon? Would we have confidence that he's going to be anywhere near the player we need at this point? I'd say no. I'd say based on everything I was hearing, he was. A, a slow, you know, re-entry into, into the league, into the game, just working through his injury uh, rehab. Instead, before you know he's, he was back, you know, back in the next lineup for pre, into the preseason. He's in the lineup again for game one, and he's given you 34 minutes, get you 17 rebounds, you know, 11 points. He was tremendous. I mean, what do you do without Mitchell Robinson? You know, Noel was not available to back him up. Taj Gibson was not available. So he, between he and Sims and, you know, and plus the small ball lineup that we'll talk about too, they were, you know, Mitch was great. And can you imagine when he's himself and when he's playing with his usual verve and and bounce? And, you know, this is, he's a game changer, especially you know, when an opponent sees him in the paint, that's just my favorite thing in the world. They say, Well, I I can stay here. I'm not getting my shot off. So Mitchell Robinson really was, you know, a difference maker. And he's not himself yet. So love talking about Mitch, love his game. I mean, his I mean, when he slams a ball into the hoop, it's it changes how the crowd reacts too. They're and I think and the other player we'll talk about in about two seconds has the same effect. Certain players just change the energy in Madison Square Garden. And that can be a good thing or a bad thing. Because sometimes the garden crowd can put too much pressure or too much um, electricity into the air, which can affect the Knicks negatively. Because all that pressure, all that energy will make you do things, yet your normal brain would say, maybe hold off on that or don't do that or make a different decision. So the energy of the garden can also have that strange other effect. But in a, in a time or in a uh, part of the game where the energy is flagging and the garden is a little bit timid or tired or just off, because you know the crowd is a big part of the next success you know, when, they're, when they're doing well because of that energy. But when Mitchell Robinson slams the ball in there, that crowd erupts and that just takes the other team, you know, out of their game a little bit and puts a little bit extra air beneath the wings of the Knicks. The other player that does it is Obi Toppin. Now Obi Toppin, 14 points, played 28 minutes. Now if you told me some point last year before the playoffs that Obi Toppin would be a major factor and contributing factor opening night, you know, a big part of the Knicks success, I would say, well, that's hard to believe because we're not getting much of an OB um, response this year. But OB, starting with the playoffs last year, hit that little bit of confidence, that little bit of a lift that he provided, and his heart and his work ethic. I mean, what you're seeing this year is, you know, it's bearing fruit because OB is, you know, he's an active player. He's defensively, he's all over the place. And then offensively, he can finish. He's a player who can in traffic take the ball to the hoop, get his basket. I mean, half the time he should be on the free throw line for a three-point play. It seems like every time he's going up for a shot, he's getting some physical contact, not getting called necessarily, but you know, but his slams too also changes the energy of the garden. Obi was great. And that small ball lineup which we saw a little bit in preseason with Randall and Obi Toppin is, you know, it's a, it's a scoring threat. It's a scoring uh, squad, basically. It's a team that, when you have those guys on the floor together, they provide different things. Obi is an energy guy. He's a soaring-to-the-basket guy. He's an active defender. Randall is your anchor, who can obviously take the ball up. He's your big man. He's pushing, you know, he's pushing his, you know, himself on an opposition. And it's... You know, it's a really strong offensive lineup. Now, offensive rebound-wise or rebound-wise, having no Mitch in the middle or no New Noel, obviously last night couldn't help it, or any other center, yeah, you, know, you sacrifice it. And the Knicks showed that because offensive rebound-wise, we were destroyed. And, you know, every big offensive rebound went to the Celtics. And that also allowed them more opportunities to shoot and eventually tie the game and get this game pushed into overtime. So the small ball lineup is great to get you back in the game or give you some points in a hurry, but you got to be careful with that too because you lose some rebounding and some uh, shot blocking as well as, you know, you know, the things that a center gives you. Now, the guard position last night was a really mixed bag. And... You know, it's it's a little it's a little concerning because you know you have Kemba Walker who you know who made some big shots he hit some big threes he's still active defensively of course that's that's going to be the problem Derek Rose had a rough beginning not in the flow but of course Derek Rose being Derek Rose he picked it up at the end of the game and was a real clutch factor in that double overtime hit the big shot you know, settled everything down, and and that's what he gives you. He's a, he's your closer. I mean, he's our Mariano, basically. A game that Derek Rose is finishing, you you get that professionalism, you get that former MVP confidence, and you need that. And that's a huge part of also how you close out a game. So Rose gives you that. Unfortunately, Emmanuel Quickly and Alec Burks were, I'm not going to say non-factors, but, they, yeah, they weren't really themselves, Uh, Emmanuel quickly, it's a long season. You know, I think there's a concern among Knicks fans that Emmanuel spends so much time focusing on his point guard uh, bona fides, you know, his point guard mentality and the way he looks at a, a floor and how he can try to make players better and hit the open man, that maybe he sacrificed some of his offensive gunslinging. And there was some real... Uh, drop off last night, and he, you know, hit his one little floater, and that was basically it. And he took some bad shots, you know, shots that last year you know, were kind of cool and kind of made sense in the flow of a game, but against the Celtics, when you're trying to bear down and you're trying to beat this, you know, really top team in the East, one of the top, you know, six seven teams, to fool around and hit, you know, try to go for a 30 foot uh, jumper, is not great. And it's something that I think Tom Thibodeau wasn't going to fool around with. And that's why he only played eight minutes. And, you know, and that's... But, again, he's a second-year player. He was asked to do a lot last year. And then this year, trying to reconfigure his game a little bit, yeah, there may be some issues. I mean, I still love Emmanuel quickly. I think he's an incredibly talented player. And I think he will find his... Um, you know, he'll find he'll find his flow this year at some point. Because, again, with ancient point guards... Who have a history of injury problems? There's going to be a need for quickly, as well as, uh, you know, Deuce and some of our other guard options. So I don't think we're gonna, you know, have a problem with quickly down the line. But it's a concern because he had to change his game so much leading up to the start of the season. So hopefully, quickly gets back in the flow. Burks, you know, is, you know, he's a, he's a great backup to have if you need him, and he can provide excitement. Last night was not his night. And with Evan Fournier doing things that Burks used to do as well, and he does a little bit better, it's you know that's going to be where Alec Burks fits in as a you know do it do it all yourself, and he's he does have that, but not his night. Uh, Jericho Sims gave you seven minutes, you know he spelled Mitchell, Robinson a little bit, again not much there yet, still learning how to handle himself in that game, still you know good for him to have. That kind of a uh, start and playing in the game, considering where he was drafted and what his you know status originally was set at, good for him. Quentin Grimes, I think, played in almost no time, but he's he's in there, he, he's in the box score, so you know that was that was really good. But overall, the Knicks played, you know, they played well. They played well. They had some defensive lapses, they had missed assignments, and they ran into the unfortunate hot hand of John Brown, who, what else can you say? He was hitting everything in sight. Now, Tatum is a player who has been touted and has been, you know, just extolled from every mountaintop that he is, you know, a perennial all-star and all-NBA guy, a great player. There's a lot of hype surrounding Tatum, and Tatum is very talented. Tatum is, you know, he can get to the basket, he can shoot, he can do a lot of things. But Because maybe because he was asked to do so much so early in his career, there's a sense that he tries to do too much and puts pressure on himself. Whereas Jalen Brown is, you know, he's a smoother, right now he's a better player. He does more things, he has a confidence there. Tatum is a little herky-jerky, a little off, you know, and and it hurt the Celtics tonight. That's where where they lost because he missed a ton of shots. So, you know, just something to keep in mind as the season goes on. And, you know, the interplay between those two guys, you know, one being the anointed superstar and the other being the actual superstar. And, you know, the Knicks, part of the allure of Madison Square Garden, it was great. You turn on the TV and there's Michael J. Fox in the front row. There's Dustin Hoffman in the front row. Obviously, Spike, you know, that's the type of energy that the Knicks used to draw from from 50 years ago. And then as well as in the 90s, you know, a celebrity row and the juice in the garden. It's just a great feeling. And it was wonderful to watch. And I almost threw a shoe at the TV about 30 times just to, you know, reflect my feeling based on the fact we should have won a game in regulation. We had a nice lead, gave it back. You know, the biggest, my biggest issue was coaching for the last couple of seconds. You have a three-point lead. You only have a few seconds on the clock. Why even let the Celtics take a three-pointer? Especially the way the Celtics were hitting shots. Foul them, put them on the line. The most they're going to get is two. And then you have a, still have a one-point lead, and then you can always hopefully hit some foul shots or get a quick rebound, throw the ball up in the air, game over. They didn't do that. They let, they let the Celtics actually take a shot with a few seconds left, and of course they hit it. And that's the way the game was going anyway. So I wish they had coached a little bit differently to maybe not give us three strokes on the way out the door. But the Knicks prevailed, great first game, Uh, a lot of things to go over as the season goes on, but you know what, just a great win. And it was great to be back watching NBA basketball, the Knicks, a full Madison Square Garden, and it's going to be a fun season. And no matter what happens, it's, You know, there's real positivity for the first time to start a season, you know, in probably well over 21, 22 years. So, once again, this is 1973 New York Knicks Podcast. My name is Alan Feller, and hey, welcome back.